The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. Good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the Bible as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. By the way, my daughter wanted me to say, Happy Fall, y'all. <laughs> if you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of the radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, you can do that. Just head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. That's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. The one, there's two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side of the page is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you missed that and you want to catch it, you can do so up until 3 p.m., at which time he'll be live in that area for two hours today because it's Saturday. All right. So be sure and check him out there at 3 o'clock Eastern for two hours. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button. Blow it up on whatever device you got. Look for the rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Click on that, and you can join us in the chat over there. A lot of friends over there this morning. Good morning. Good to see you guys. And while you're there, please subscribe to the channel, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We would appreciate that support very much. And then also, beforeitsnews.com, top of the page over there. And appreciate Michael and his team giving us a spot, both the morning and afternoon show on their platform. Uh, Right up under where we're streaming live is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. That's right at the top right part of the website under the live stream, okay? Um, And uh, just put your email in there. We send out the email every day, late afternoon, early evening, all the articles we have, including the morning show archive. So be sure and uh, sign up for that. And then finally, our store is available. The link is at the top of of sonsoflibertymedia.com, or you can go there directly at the Sons of Liberty. Don't forget the in front of it, thesonsofliberty.squarespace.com. We're still highlighting uh, Bradley's book, Soldier of the Cross, the bundle is up. It starts at starts at $34. Book, shirt of your size, dog tag of your color, black or silver. Okay, You can get these individually if you want, but they start at $34. Okay, If you're double X or larger, it's a little bit more, so be sure and check that out. We've got a lot of other um, educational videos, books, um, conversation starters as far as coffee mugs, hats, T-shirts, all this kind of stuff. You can check it out in our store at sonsoflibertymedia.com. All right, now, <clears throat> today... 
I don't know if this is where our guest will go, but we'll, she'll probably agree that this is where we need to go. Kate's going to be off for today. She had something she had to do today. But I wanted to start out by reading this because I wanted to do, I've been wanting to do a show on it, but I didn't just want just the spiritual implications. We're going to touch on some of those, but we're going to touch on a lot of the physical implications of some of these things too. But I want to take you back into numbers. I want to read this before we bring our guest on. The book of Numbers, chapter 11, if you're there. And um, we're going to talk today about something I'll bet you not a one of you have heard. Maybe maybe some of you, maybe a handful of you have heard from your pastor or any preacher. And that is on the issue of gluttony. I can tell you guys down in our areas don't talk about it because it's evident they are them. <laughs> okay, uh, This is what Numbers 11 says. Beginning of verse 18, it says... And say unto the people, sanctify yourselves against the morrow. Now, remember what the people have done. God had been provided. He had led them out of slavery. Okay. They were in the wilderness. He gave them manna to eat every day. He provided for their needs. Okay. And then they said, this is not enough. We need some meat. And so the Bible tells them, tells us later on that the Lord sent them so much quail, it was coming out their nose. I mean, literally, that's what this, it's saying. It's coming out of their nose. So he says, And say thou unto the people, Sanctify yourselves against the morrow, and ye shall eat flesh. For ye have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and ye shall eat. Ye shall not eat one day, nor two days, nor five days, neither ten days, nor twenty days, but even a whole month. Until it come out of your nostrils and it be loathsome unto you. He's going to give them so much meat, it's going to make them sick. Because that ye have despised the Lord which is among you and have wept before him, saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? And Moses said, The people among whom I am are 600,000 footmen, and thou hast said, I will give them flesh that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and herds be slain for them to suffice them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. And Moses went out and told the people the words of the Lord and gathered the seventy men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spake unto him, and took of the Spirit that was upon him, and gave it unto seventy elders. And it came to pass that when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied and did not cease. But there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was Eldad, and the name of the other Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but went not out unto the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. Now, <clears throat> Let's just jump on down just a little bit. Verse 31. And there went forth the wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea and let them fall by the camp and as it, or as it were a day's journey on this side and as it were a day's journey on the other side round about the camp and as it were two cubits high above upon the face of the earth and the people stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day and they gathered the quails. He that gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. And when the flesh was yet between their teeth, ere it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place Kilbroth Hatava, because they were because they buried the people that lusted. 
They buried the people that lusted. They wanted the meat. They were not content with what God had given them in the manna. Now, here to help me talk about holidays, holiday eating, and all of this kind of stuff, and then we're going to tap on gluttony, too, uh, is Simone Plout, and I'm privileged to welcome her back to the Sons of Liberty. Good morning, Simone. Good to see you. Good morning, and uh, thank you very much for inviting me. Um, I know Kate's busy today, so she asked me if I could cover the um, her show for her, and I'm very, very honored and privileged to be able to help out today. Well, we're we're happy to have you with us as always. It's always great to see you, and uh, you're you're an inspiration to a lot of people. I know that uh, in the way you live and the things that you're teaching, especially to Kate. She tells me about it all the time. She's like, whenever she's in my car, I just want to be quiet and let her talk and get, and get the wisdom that she has from her. So, I know you have a great impact there. And some of the stuff we're going to talk about is this this issue. You know, we're around this this time of year from like Thanksgiving to the end of the year. Is just a time where a lot of people are off work. Um, they're they're munching, they're nibbling, they're gorging themselves. I, I, I want to say many of these people are making they're just making themselves sick um, yeah. because yeah. they think it is an entitlement that they have to just be a I mean be a glutton. And we're going to look at what glutton is, and some of you are going to be surprised at some of that. But it has not just a spiritual implication, which we'll talk about, but it has a, a very devastating physical consequences to it too yeah well before we talk about the um the spiritual and the physical if you eat a lot of sugar it is going to actually blunt and um sear off the ability of your taste buds to taste your food um it will actually burn the nerve endings on your tongue so your food does not taste as interesting or as, um, you know, they're, they're, a lot of the subtlety of flavor in our food, um, you know, the layers of, of spices and herbs and, um, you know, the, the beautiful uh, vegetables and fruit tastes uninteresting if our, our taste buds have been blunted off by, by the sugar. So that's one thing. So we're actually denying ourselves a lot of pleasure um, and, um, you know, making our life less interesting because uh, we can no longer taste the wonderful range and diversity of flavors in our food. Uh, so that's one disadvantage. Um, but the other problem we have is that holiday time, a lot of the foods that are, are on offer are very rich. They're, they're a lot of fat and, um, you know, they're, they're often fried and uh they're they're not the kind of foods that we would normally be eating and you know let's say you go to a, an event a party a, a a family gathering and the food often doesn't arrive until a lot later than you normally would be eating your lunch because the person who's preparing the meal may be not used to cooking for a large group of people and they they get some of the timings wrong or you know, the, the, the large size of whatever they're cooking maybe takes a lot longer than they're used to because it's a lot, a lot bigger for a large group. And so the meal often is uh, on the table later than expected or later than you're used to. And then when it does arrive, you're absolutely ravenously hungry and can eat extremely quickly. And that's not a great idea. It's not a great idea for many, many reasons. But if we eat too quickly, we're much more likely to get indigestion. We're more likely to um, 
eat, uh, swallow the food before we've properly chewed it because we're so hungry and we're desperate to get something into our bloodstream. So there's lots of things that are, are going to make, um, you know, that night uh, a difficult night. And a lot of people end up with the misery of indigestion after festive meals because they've eaten too much too quickly. And, uh, you know, it's a very rich meal, which is not what they're really used to. So I wanted to talk about the kind of strategies that we can use that can really help to manage the, the, that kind of problem so that we are not setting ourselves up for the, um, the risk of, of overeating or, or eating too quickly. Uh, so um, that there's lots of things we can do. And one of the suggestions I have is, let's say you're invited to a family gathering uh, where someone else is doing the cooking, you might want to do a tray of beautiful, brightly coloured crudite, you know, raw vegetables, peppers and cucumber and celery and uh, kohlrabi and lovely, bright coloured, crunchy vegetables. I love all uh, that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I love all looks of it. beautiful. And if you do it artistically on the plate, it can look wonderful. And then you put some saran wrap over it to keep it you know uh the the design that you've created to keep it all all there and then you can be busy going around offering these wonderful crunchy vegetables to people and um you know you're you're increasing the antioxidant content of that meal because there's all those wonderful um <clears throat> plant uh, materials that are, are so good for us that that um uh, counter the um, oxidation, the rusting in, in the food when we eat a lot of um, rich food. And we need antioxidants to counter, to balance that out. And you're, you're providing those. Um, eating crunchy vegetables, the action of chewing, um, it actually provides um, a, uh, uh, it has an effect on the jaw and helps you keep your teeth so that may not be such a concern for younger people, but for older people, we want to keep our teeth. And if we don't chew crunchy food, then we actually lose bone density around the teeth. And then you are more at risk of losing your teeth later. So it's a really good thing on many, many levels. And you can fill yourself up with this healthy fiber so that when the main course, the, the food arrives, all this rich food arrives, you've already taken the edge off your appetite. And you're less likely to to eat too quickly when that rich food arrives. Um, you've provided a bed of fiber within your stomach. So you're slowing down the um, arrival of, of the richer foods that are being served at the table. And you're you're setting yourself up for a healthier, um, more um, moderate intake. So if it's not appropriate to take this tray of beautiful crudités to your um, whoever's inviting you, um, maybe it's an idea to have a, a little portion before you leave. So you've already had some uh, raw vegetables if you can eat them. If you can't eat them, then maybe you want to cook them and have a soup or uh, something of that nature. But um, there's uh, there's a lot of lot to be said for filling up with fiber before you eat a rich meal. And it does help reduce the risk of um, gluttony. Um, gluttony is something that we do when our body, our brain thinks we're in starvation mode, that we're at risk of, of, of our survival is under threat. 
So we have this insatiable urge to eat very, very quickly. Um, and that is a, a recipe for disaster. When the food is very rich, you can be packing a lot of calories in very, very quickly. Uh, whereas with vegetables, um, it's a much less nutrient dense. It's got a lot of nutrients, but it's not calorie dense. So you can eat vegetables without overloading your um, your body with with calorie intake. Um, and these things are much easier to digest for your body. Not everyone finds it easy to digest raw vegetables. So for some people, you may need to have them cooked. But for those of us who can eat raw vegetables, this can really help maybe a small quantity uh, if a larger quantity is too much for you. But filling up with some vegetables, always a good idea. The other um, tip I would suggest is if there is a buffet style meal that you limit yourself to one plate. Um, the problem is you go up for a second plate and then maybe even a third plate and our body doesn't need all this. We wouldn't normally eat three plates of food at home. You know, we'd serve up our, our lunch or our dinner. We'd have one plate. Um, but when we go to a buffet or there is a, um, you know, a, a buffet style eating, um, you can end up eating two, three, four times as much as you would normally eat simply because you think, oh, that was nice. I'll go back and get a bit more of that. Oh, and that looks nice. And that looks delicious. And I'll have a bit more of that. And we go a bit crazy sometimes with a buffet style eating. I remember going on cruises and watching people at the buffet and being astonished um, at how much people could eat. Um, and of course, you can put weight on very, very quickly on a holiday like that, where you're loading a, a plate and going back for seconds. It's almost every... it's almost sickening to watch somebody consume so much food in, in one sitting. I, I can remember my boss, he was a big eater, and he would eat like, you know, a breakfast, we'd work all day, and then we'd he'd take us out for a dinner at night. And sometimes, man, I was I was struggling to even get the one plate finished. And he's over there finished it and into something else. And I, I was just like, and then he would go get stuff after uh, for his work at night. And it wasn't good stuff, you know, them little caramel creams and like a twelve pack of Diet Pepsi, as though that's going to do anything for him. And uh, and he'd sit there, and it would just make me sick to my stomach. But gluttony isn't. Let's take. Just so people understand what we're talking about, because I, I want to branch it out a little more than just the food. But here's Webster's 1828 it is an excess in eating, an extravagant indulgence. And that's the key word, indulgence of the appetite for food, luxury of the table, a veracity of appetite. And one of the things that I think about here, too, is how the Bible not only just links food in with gluttony, but we can see it with drink too. It talks about those who are drunkards. That's a liquid glutton, if you if you will. Um, so those things can those things can take place and both of them are bad for us if we don't keep them in check. In fact there's sin. Bible calls it idolatry. It talks about mm -hmm. drunkards being idolaters. It taught you know uh, if you're a glutton, this is what what this this is how it's manifest. It's manifest in idolatry. You have you have lifted the food up uh, in place of God. You, you've you've created an idol in that. And, and many people don't even think about that, Simone. They just engage in it. Yeah, I think, though, um, we can, can have some compassion about it because um, the food industry 
has changed over the last um, number of decades. And the um, addictive nature of a lot of the food that is on offer um, in the supermarket is astonishing. Um, Sugar is a highly addictive substance. Not everybody is uh, as um, susceptible to it uh, as others, but certainly sugar is a highly addictive substance. And our, you know, if you if you look at the ingredients in supermarket products, there's sugar in virtually everything, and it doesn't always name sugar on the label. It can say high fructose corn syrup. It can say corn syrup. It can say coconut crystals. It can say um, maltodextrin, which is not actually sugar, but it, it has a very high glycemic index. It has a big effect on the um, uh, insulin levels in, in the body, which then impact on how our body stores um, energy and stores fat. Um, then you've got all the dextrose and the glucose and the maltose and the mannose, and, you know, all these oses are all sugars. And quite often, there'll be several different types of sugar in one product. And so it doesn't, you, you read the label, it says sugar is maybe three or four. But if there's five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10 are also forms of sugar, then the quantity of sugar goes up and up and up. And sugar has an effect on us. It um, drives the production of insulin. Insulin makes us hungry. Um, and so um, a lot of the um, the foods that we're eating today are actually um, formulated to make us want more and more of them. And they're combined with fat, often sugar is combined with fat in a particular way that, um, and that there are whole teams of scientists working at a lot of the food manufacturers and they they find something they call the bliss point, i.e. the food becomes so delicious, we just want more and more yep. and more. Well, now, Simone, we, when we interviewed Mike Adams some years ago when I was, worth the, when I was on radio with Jim White, <clears throat> one of the things Mike had talked about was the study on MSG and how they're putting MSG in virtually everything. And that was what, that was kind of the, uh, my understanding was that was sort of the, flavor palette they're playing with that they're using to do that especially in the fast food industry yeah and if um salt and fat or sugar and fat and uh msg and and other uh products that give a, an umami flavor uh, this sort of um really uh interesting um delicious flavor i mean uh Parmesan cheese is another thing that's got that umami flavor. It's very delicious and our bodies want more and more of it. And, um, you know, years ago, you would have a small quantity of it. Um, It was not affordable to have large quantities. But nowadays, um, it, it is more affordable and we eat far too much of these things. And they have a massive impact on our waistlines. Um, but they also take the edge off our our palates so that we are craving those kind of intense flavors ordinary um everyday flavors um vegetables and you know um plainer dishes don't taste interesting enough to us so we're we're craving this 
um, burst of flavor on our tongues, which um, it's it's become uh, way too uh, seductive. Um, but I think the the food manufacturing industry has um, manipulated us into addiction to these hyper palatable foods, these super delicious foods, which unfortunately are empty of nutrition. And so we crave more and more of them. Um, and they don't give us what our body desperately needs, which is um, minerals and vitamins and protein and, um, you know, all the, the, the various uh, um, elements that make up a healthy diet. Um, a lot of those things are missing from these empty calorie foods, which taste very good, but they're missing. So they become effectively addictive because our body goes, well, I've had some of that. It tasted good, but my body still needs all these important nutrients. Where are they? I better have some more. And so you have more and more, but you're never satisfied. And I think that's um, unfortunately the way uh, the human condition uh, has become um, manipulated. Uh, yeah, well, it's um, easily done. And that I think that's the thing I was pointing out like there in numbers is he talks about those dying were the ones that lusted. It wasn't that they they desired to to, you know, satisfy a hunger and provide for themselves, it was that they were gorging themselves in it. I mean, it's so much so, he says, it's coming out of their nostrils. I think about this passage, too, and a lot of people don't talk about this. And I, I look, I realize it. I realize a lot of people <clears throat> have been pulled into this uh, by way of their taste buds. And you're exactly right. When you say the human condition, we talk about it, uh, the, that man has fallen, his total depravity. It's affected his mind, his will, his emotions, his body, everything. That's what the fall has affected. And it's affected, affected it here. In fact, if we really think about it, the first sin that was committed was what? It was a, it was a form of gluttony. God said, I'm giving you all this stuff, but this one tree don't eat of. And yeah. what is the indulgence? What is the lust? Well, I'll have of that tree too. And they weren't supposed to partake of it. But listen to this. And this doesn't often get cited. And I know the Sodomites try to use it to say, well, this was the sin of Sodom here. But it's clear what their major unnatural sin was. But these were a part of it. There's no doubt about it. Ezekiel chapter 16, this is what it says. As I live, saith the Lord, Sodom thy sister hath not done she nor her daughters, as thou hast done, thou and thy daughters. And he's talking about Israel. He's talking about you're doing things that Sodom didn't even do. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Pride, fullness of bread. That's an abundance of food. Yeah. Okay, that's what that is. An abundance of idleness. Now, abundance of food and abundance of idleness is a recipe for gluttony. Okay, was in her and in her daughters, neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and the needy, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. That's the stuff that was going on that he destroyed the cities for, the abomination, the sodomy. Therefore, I took them away as I saw good. So <clears throat> even there, you can look around at America. I don't, I don't know how it is in the UK there, Simone, but it's probably very similar. People are wealthy. They have an abundance of all things. And, you know, basically the mentality is eat, drink, and be merry for the morrow we die, which the scripture holds that up as sort of a um, dishonorable kind of concept of, of how you live your life. So even this was going on there. 
th- this kind of abundance of food? Yeah. Um, well, in, in our supermarkets here in the UK, we always have a box near the exit where people can donate food for the local food bank for people who don't have enough to eat. And um, I mean, I, I don't know how many people do contribute, but I would certainly not go into the supermarket without putting at least one or two products in there from my own trolley because I don't want to go home with my full trolley and and think that there are people who are not going to have something to eat. So um, it's a very important uh, part. And you enjoy your own food more when you can offer kindness to others. Amen. Uh, Yeah. It's a very interesting, um, the difference between people in, um, you know, 120, 150 years ago, I mean, we call it the Victorian era here in, in the UK because we had Queen Victoria was the, the queen, so it was called the Victorian era. But in those those times, um, happiness was not something that you didn't feel good in order to be happy as we do today and do things that make you feel good. Back then, their wisdom was that you do good in order to feel happy, and it's That's still right. true. I mean, I've, I'm I'm aware of there's loads of research into kindness and how not only the person receiving the kindness benefits both um, emotionally, spiritually, and um, psychologically, but the um, person who who did the kindness benefit spiritually physically and emotionally but indeed apparently also anyone witnessing the kindness also benefits spiritually emotionally and physically so doing kindness has a massive impact and i recently attended a a, a workshop where there's a great uh, a writer whose name escapes me for the moment but um He's written a lot of work on on kindness and done a lot of research into it. And he was saying that your one act of kindness can affect hundreds of people because if you do an act of kindness towards somebody else, they are then in turn going to more likely to do an act of kindness towards someone else. And that person, both the, the person receiving it and anyone who witnesses it will also go on and do kindness. So your one act of kindness can end up affecting dozens and he calculated it could be well over a hundred people could be affected by your one act of random kindness well let's extrapolate that out if people are following the words of the lord jesus you know he told his disciples he said they'll know you're my disciples by your love for one another you're talking about acts of kindness those are that's acts of love government can't do that they want to be charitable but they can't because they're a fictitious entity but the people are commanded by our Creator to love one another, even our enemies. And you're exactly right. I've seen that time and time again. I often think of these people who do the these time travel stories, and they talk about, you know, they do one little thing, and it seems to affect a whole bunch of other things. Well, I think that's exactly what it is. And so we have to go out and we have to be the light that we are. Jesus said we're the light of the world, and we don't go and hide our light under a bushel, but rather we put it out so it gives light to the whole house. And that's what we want to do. We want to give light to people. So when we're talking about this issue of food, 
gluttony. Um, my Look, men are already stand condemned. Jesus said that. He didn't come in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So I'm not doing anything as a condemnation to somebody, but I am pointing out things that need to be that people, probably many of you listening, that you engage in during the holidays, and you're always talking about your weight, you're always talking about how bad you feel after you've indulged yourself and all, it's because it's sin. It's because it's sin, and it has consequences to it. And so what we're talking about is doing everything, as the Bible says, in moderation. And I know, Simone, you're a big fan of that because yeah. of your your own journey and the things that you've learned as well. Yeah. Well, um, overeating is something that, um, unfortunately, I um, struggled with eating disorder as a teenager. Um, I went through anorexia, bulimia, and... Um, you know, this is something many um, young young girls and and young boys go through. It's uh, they're sort of grappling with their identity, um, and then feeling shame and guilt about overeating, um, and then um, you know not eating for days on end because they they're worried about the effect that it's had on their bodies. And uh, yeah, absolutely, it's something that. Um, I, I have a personal experience of, and it's it's a terrifying thing. Um, and many people are affected by this problem. Um, but unfortunately, the addictive quality of many of our foods um, has a you know it has an impact. So you know, going back to the idea of of alcohol and people who who struggle with with um, alcoholic. Uh, tendency where they they have one drink and then can't stop and end up doing all sorts of things they wish they hadn't done after uh, drinking too much um the difference between alcohol and sugar is a very small difference the difference between sugar to turn sugar into alcohol all you need is yeast that's how um, yep. grape juice turned into wine and hops are turned into beer it's yeast and so that you know, if people can be be uh, addicted to alcohol, which we know um, happens to many many people, um, sugar can also have that effect on some people. Not everybody, but some people. And so it's as it's in everything, we've got a major problem on our hands, and we need to start getting very very clever um, in order to protect ourselves from this. Um, but just going back to the, the, you know, a high holy day or a, a day of family celebration, as with the recent um, Thanksgiving celebrations, if you eat a massive, massive meal on the celebration day, you actually stretch your stomach and then you're going to be more hungry for the next few days. So overeating on that day doesn't just affect you that evening with the indigestion and the feeling terrible the next day. It can actually up regulate your appetite. So you're then overeating over the next few days because you've just stretched your stomach, which now seems to want more food to fill it up. And then you're just setting a, ha a bad habit in place, aren't you? You're setting a bad habit in place and you're setting yourself up for putting on a lot of weight and then going on the scales um, in the new year and going, oh, my goodness, what have I done? So it's something we need to be aware of and, and um, you know, take steps. So one plate from the buffet, 
um, not having a pile high of, of the roast potatoes and roasted vegetable, you know, roasted parsnips and things, but perhaps having just a small quantity um, and then not having a huge pile of, of uh, turkey or whatever it is that's served up on for the festive meal, but um, a modest amount. And, um, you know, the, the size of the, the, the birds that people buy for these big celebrations, they're enormous. Why not have something half the size? Or, um, you know, why, why do we need to, to, to set ourselves up for such gluttony in the first place? And then we end up with the boring, um, you know, the same meal day after day because yeah. we've got all well, I, I can tell you this. I, with the size of our family, you kind of have to have a big bird <laughs> oh, yeah. if you're going to feed everybody. You've got a huge family. You've got no choice. That's right. But, that's right. You you got to you yeah. got to kind of do that. And I think that's kind of the picture that people have. Uh, they just haven't you know brought that many family. But hey, you know, eat what eat what you eat, and then take and, and find somebody who doesn't have something like what you were saying about before. Be kind and. You know, share that with somebody. I was thinking as you were talking about the drink, because I wanted to bring that one in, because we talked about liquid gluttony, too. You know, and <clears throat> there are several passages in the Bible where this gets linked. You know, Jesus was, was the, the Pharisees pointed him out, and they said, he's over here with the gluttons and the wine-bibbers, the drunkards, okay? That's who he's hanging out with. And, of course, that's who he was hanging out with. Didn't make him one. It just meant he was there with them because he knew they needed to hear his message, and he knew they needed to be saved from their sins. So here's here's one from 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that speaks directly about this. Um, know ye not, verse 9, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, again, a lot of people don't put this in the category of unrighteousness, but it is. It's right here in the middle of what he's talking about. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Those are sodomites. Most everybody here listening would agree with me that Paul's on the right track here. Nor thieves, and they would say yes. And then he says, nor covetous. This is, this is full of lust. This is the thing we talked about from Numbers. This is a desire. It's something internal. Covetous. A covetous man is an idolater, Paul says. Nor drunkards. Mm. nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So if you're having an issue with this, then the remedy is repentance. The remedy is put your faith in Jesus Christ. And what does he? What does the Bible teach us? That's his word. It's the word of Christ. What does it teach us about that? Everything in moderation. Eat the foods that God has put on the, on the earth, Genesis 1 and following. Uh, Genesis 9, if you're going to have meat, you know, don't overindulge yourself in these things. Eat them. The body's more than food, isn't it? I mean, it really is. It's a fantastic thing. But God warns us about this. And if I throw these in, I'll, and I'll get you to comment on this a little further, um, Simone. Deuteronomy 20, ver excuse me, Deuteronomy 20, ver 21, verse 20. Listen to how the ties are here. And they shall say unto the elders of his city. Now, this is a son who is a grown son. He's not a little kid. He has cursed his mother and father. The mother and father are to take him to the elders of the city. These are the judges, if you will. And they say, this is our son. Uh, this, our son, is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. 
And what are they to do to him? They're to put this boy to death. That's how serious it is because he's a grown man and he's acting so vile towards his parents. And specifically, he's a glutton and he's a drunkard. Let me throw this one in too. Psalm 20, or excuse me, Proverbs 23, 21. For the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty and drowsiness shall clothe the man with rags. So it isn't an issue, Simone, of just people having, you know, maybe some poor health for a few days or a few weeks or whatever the case may be. This, this can lead to a lifestyle that brings them literally to destruction. Yeah. Well, um, we are extremely lucky, and this is true in both the States and in, in, um, in Great Britain, where there are fellowships which um, enable people who are struggling with um, all these uh, addictions like drunkenness and drugs and gambling and all these other things there's the um anonymous fellowships which um actually take the the principles of uh the teachings of Jesus where people help each other and support each other and provide community around uh enabling people to to move forward with their lives um so there is um wonderful help available and it's um these fellowships are voluntary and they, um, you know, you don't even need to pay anything. You come along and um, and they just people just need to look this up in their local, um, you know, local areas. There are these fellowships everywhere, all around the, the, the U.S., all over the world, in fact. So um, people who have received help from they've received kindness from somebody else now offer that same kindness in the spirit of Jesus Christ to others. Um, and it is a, non, a non-religious um, fellowship. People uh, don't have to follow any particular religion. It's non-denominational. So that needn't be uh, any kind of resistance to people seeking that kind of help. Yeah, and I think that's what we're supposed to do, you know, Simone. The Bible talks about us confessing our sins to one another. And while I realize that all these things can be addictive, I think that's why the Bible warns against it. Because once you get pulled into it, it's so much easier to submit to that than it is to go back to what you were doing before. So I, I think that's a that's a that's a big deal. Uh, and I made mention. Everybody hears. My grandson making noise in the background. That's okay. Uh, we like hearing him back there. Uh, but I think about. You know, some of the warnings and I, I told people, I said, they won't hear talk like what we're have what we're having here. Many of them will never hear this from a pulpit. They'll never hear this from a preacher, despite the the plethora of scripture that speaks to this issue that we're talking about. One of them uh is out of uh Philippians chapter three here, and this is what it says. For many walk uh, let me let me back up one. Brett, verse seventeen. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, that's what I was talking about before, whose God is their belly. Whose God is their belly. And I'm going to tell you, Simone, I, and whose glory is in their shame, whose mind, who mind earthly things for our conversation is heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the things I've noticed, um, you know, Simone, is this issue we're talking about taste buds. 
And I think for people, when, when God's using the term belly, you know, our belly will settle down. We can fill it with water. We can fill it with green beans. We can fill it with carrots. We can fill it with whatever. And our belly satisfied us. And it's that thing right there. It's our tongue that's the problem. It wants it wants a satisfaction that's even unnatural, as you were saying, coming up with these flavors that are not from the Lord, but they're there to seduce us. They're there to draw us into them and to enslave. I mean, for lack of a better term, they're there to enslave us because if we're going to submit ourselves to those things, that's what we're going to do. Absolutely to enslave us. Um, And I think the the tongue, uh, you know, we're capable of doing a lot of damage with our tongues. We can say things that we don't mean and regret afterwards. We can, um, there's all sorts of things we can do with our tongues that, that, that lead us into a place we would rather we had not been led. Uh, but I agree with you. Um, the, uh, the taste of things that, that we may enjoy, it's almost as if our, our tongues are under the control of a much younger part of us that doesn't have the wisdom and the, the, the common sense and the, discernment that our adult selves have and it can lead us into some very very dangerous and uh, um, unhealthy decision making which we regret afterwards so it's a matter of 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 developing discipline and um you know having strategies in place don't make a decision about what you're going to eat when you're hungry and when you're already, um, you know, ravenously, uh, um, you know, your stomach is 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 um, making all sorts of noises, and your blood sugars drop down through your boots, and you're you're not able to make sensible decisions about what to eat at that stage. And if there's a, a buffet of 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 rich, delicious foods laid out in front of you, that is not a place to make good food decisions. You make them in advance like the um, single serving rather than going back many times and filling up with vegetables at the beginning. Um, And when you actually load that plate up, at least half of it should be vegetables. It shouldn't be loaded up with, um, with high fat and high protein food. It should be the majority of that plate needs to be vegetables so that, you know, you've got the fiber there to fill you up and give you the, the satiety that, that your body needs without filling you with with way too much. Many of us eat way too much protein, and that's huge pressure on our kidneys um, because there's a lot of nitrogen in, in protein. And when we eat too much, then we, we build uh, uric acid, which can then trigger um, gout. Um, it can trigger uh, all kinds of um, uh, joint inflammation conditions. Uh, and that's not good for us. And then we're miserable afterwards and we're wondering why why we feel terrible. We've eaten too much protein. Our bodies can't cope with it. It's uh, a recipe for, for renal overload. Um, eating too much fat is uh, really not, not good for our, our livers. And, um, you know, there, there's there's things that we're doing which which we really needn't be doing. And we're going to pay a price for it afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let me take, because I know there's probably some people out there that says, well, you're talking about the Bible and this, that, and the other. And, and Simone's talking about, well, we need to make a plan. We need to do this and that and the other. And that doesn't sound very spiritual. Well, friends, 
planning ahead is very spiritual. In fact, the Bible says a righteous man sees that there's a problem and he, he's, he's a prudent man. He sets forth, you know, he sees what's coming and he prepares for it. Well, listen to what, listen to what happened with Daniel. If you don't think that's a spiritual thing, that is very spiritual to plan ahead for these things that you see coming. We read in Daniel chapter 1, verse 5, And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end thereof they might stand before the king. And we've got, you know, Daniel, we've got Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're there. And notice what happens in verse 8. But Daniel purposed... That means he's doing something beforehand. He purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. And so much so, Daniel goes on and he says, why don't you give it a test here, man? Ten days. I mean, Simone, what I used to think, did God give him this like as a special thing that he understood in 10 days he was going to be different and all this other? Or was it just something that was a known fact? Because I can tell you after my experience over the past, I don't know, three, four, five months that I've been doing what I'm doing, you know, in my personal life as far as what I put in my body and things. I see a tremendous difference and you can usually see it with inside of two weeks. Uh, people yeah. can see it in your skin. They can see it in, in a lot of things. Daniel's doing this too, and the Bible says that he purposed it in his heart. In other words, he planned ahead, and he went ahead and he he petitioned the eunuch, hoping for God's favor, which God, it says in verse 9, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuch, so that he at least tested them, and he saw they were better off for eating their lentils and drinking, drinking water than eating the king's meat and drinking his wine. Isn't that something? Yep, absolutely. I, I think... Um you know, I, I'm not a vegan myself, but I do eat vegan in the evenings. So I will eat um, meat and fish at lunch times, but I don't in the evenings. So I'm vegan in the evenings and um, I'm very healthy um, and very strong and it reduces the amount I spend on my food. So I've got money to, to you know, donate to um, good causes and put something in the the collecting box at the the supermarket so that there's there's something for people who don't have um enough for, to feed their families and um I look after my liver and my kidneys and keep myself healthy and I have good healthy skin and um good energy levels um so yeah absolutely eating a healthy diet making sure we drink enough water and um have enough but not too much is a very, very good way to keep us as healthy and as vibrant as we possibly can. Amen. Amen. I, I totally agree. There there are so many passages that came up today because, like I said, I've been wanting to uh, address this issue of gluttony for a while. And, you know, over and over and over again, it's, it's all throughout the Scripture um, that these yeah. things are, in fact— it's really interesting. This comes from 1 Corinthians 10, and this is going back to the very thing that we started out with numbers from Paul pack, pack, uh, backs up to, to what they were doing. And he talks about them. He said, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea. All did all eat the same spiritual meat. All did drink the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Everything in the Old Testament tells us about Christ. 
It's all about him. But with many of them, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples. In other words, for us today, why should we read the Old Testament? One, it points us to Christ. Two, it gives us examples of what not to do in the people of Israel, because they constantly were turning their their backs on the Lord, and they were constantly sinning against him, which, you know, fueled his wrath. I mean, that's what it did. So it says, they were to the intent, we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be ye idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. So there's there's something we can learn from the, the, the people of the Old Testament uh, as to how we're to honor God. And part of that is honoring him with our bodies and what we're taking into our bodies and, and things of that nature. Absolutely. I think that we... Um Moderation is something that uh, allows us the uh, space within our budgets to be kind and generous to others. It looks after our kidneys and our livers so we don't overload our bodies with with too much rich food. It um, allows us to digest our food properly so that we have enough, but we don't overdo it. There are many, many advantages. And um, I find it astonishing when I visited America, um, the portion sizes are way, way bigger than, than what we generally have in the UK. Um, and, you know, if I'm, I'm out with, with a friend, I would share a meal rather than having a whole meal to myself because it would always be way too much. And um, I, I think it's a, um, it, it's, it's a sad reflection on how we have become that the, the portion sizes are way bigger than we need. And that is then having such an adverse impact on our health and our chances of, of surviving in good health to a, um, you know, a reasonable, um, desirable age, um, you know, to, to reach the end of our lives. And of course, um, the other problem we've got is that the, the, the health issues that people face, you know, the, the sore joints and the bad backs and the knees and the hips and the, all, all these other things. Um, obesity, being overweight, will exacerbate and hasten all these joint problems. And then they're coming in and younger and younger, and then people end up having to have joint replacement surgeries and all sorts of things like that. Um, and those joints, you know, the joint replacements don't last indefinitely. So if you have them, need to have them done younger, then you're going to have to have them replaced yeah. later in life, you know, 15, 20 years later. So if you're having to have them done at, at 60, you'll have to have them replaced at 80. Yeah. And that's not going yeah. to be a good idea. Simone, we're almost out of time here, but I, I think a lot of it gets attributed to old age when it's really what we've been putting in our body. They've deceived us that way when we can correct that. And that's some of the things that you're trying to help people understand. People, you can check out Simone's website, longevityworks.com, longevityworks.com. That's where you can find out more about her. We'll have her back here in the future. Thank you, Simone. Hang on. I'll say goodbye to you off air. Bradley, be with you for two hours at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central. We'll see you on Monday morning, 6 a.m. Lord willing.